podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the Shackles Are Off podcast. Now, you may have seen earlier on in the week, I'm pretty sure if you're listening to this podcast, you will have seen this news, but the greatest white ball captain perhaps ever in the history of world cricket, Owen Morgan, stepped down as the England white ball skipper. He called time on a career that was just unbelievable, obviously leading England to that World Cup victory in 2019, the crowning moment of it all. However, then... Who was going to succeed him? Well, we found out pretty quickly. I think everybody kind of knew. Chris Millard and James Gregory with you on the Shackles Are Off podcast. And Chris, we knew it was going to be Joss Butler. Everybody knew it was going to be Joss Butler. However, it was announced yesterday as we record this podcast. And guess what? We think ahead on this podcast. We really do. Just a few days ago, you spoke to him. Great chat. I've obviously listened to it already. You listening, you're going to hear it in just a moment. Chris all on his own, having a chat with Joss Butler. I was prior engaged. However, <laughs> super stuff. Really good chat with him. And he's not doing any media. So we've got this little scoop interview. We, we've got the first chat since Joss Butler has been named England Whiteboard captain, even though he did speak to him before it was announced. But still, it doesn't really matter. Um, perfect timing and nicely done. What a great guy he is and richly deserved. We'll talk about the test series in a minute. But Joss Butler, fantastic. Major media outlets eat your heart out. Shackles <laughs> are off is where the big scoops are at. Joss, um, Joss was very kind to give up his time just um, <clears throat> a few days, weeks ago. I forgot when it was now, but um, he's been on such a roller coaster, hasn't he? The past like 12, 18 months and just recently returning from the IPL where he was like the best player ever. Seems to, it seemed to me like every time I went on social media, flicked the TV on, he was on at least 100 off like seven balls or something daft he was just like unbelievable in the IPL wasn't it he was it was so good and actually we talked about that quite a lot on the podcast in our intros and we've guessed haven't we about how good Butler's been and a really nice character as well if you've never really heard an in-depth interview your interview with him that you're about to hear Chris I just think it's brilliant really really good guy you cover quite a lot of ground and you've got like really gentle obviously we know he's not as a cricketer Christ but he's uh, he's quite a gentle character, really well liked. Uh, you and I have been lucky enough to just spend not loads of time, but just kind of seen you know a bit of time sort of behind the scenes with him um, in a kind of social setting. And he's just got a really nice, calm, charming demeanour about him. So I hope you enjoy the chat um, with Joss Butler. Shackles, our podcast is going from strength to strength. Obviously, if you've not heard some of our most recent podcasts, we've got Kevin Peterson, one of our most listened to episodes ever. Matty Fisher as well. Brilliant last week. We put that out during the Headingley Test match, which, by the way, was brilliant. That whole Test series against New Zealand, just awesome. We talk about Red Bull reset, Chris, <laughs> fully completed, by the way. Baz McCullough and Brendan Stokes, what a combo. Yeah, well, it's it's everything. It was written in the stars, really, wasn't it? I don't think it could have gone much better if you just spoke to Ben or 
buzz before the series started. I genuinely don't think they could have asked for it to go any better than what it has done. And I, when, when you look at the results and the brand of cricket they're playing, it really has turned into the the fast-paced, energetic test reset that everyone wanted. It actually, I know Morgs has just retired, but it does remind me of the time when Morgs took over the the white ball squad and the one day team and just changed the brand of cricket and it exactly it, it's a subtle mindset shift isn't it and obviously allowing people like Ruta who won player of the series shock horror um <laughs> to have the freedom to go out there and do what he does averaging 99 across the series Johnny having the freedom to go out and play his game has just has just created this hopefully this unstoppable force that's going to rise up the rankings and get back to number one and Obviously, Barmy Army. We're always looking ahead to the Ashes. Ashes mm-hmm. next year. We've got um, we've got one eye on that. And with this brand of cricket, it's really really exciting to see where this team could go. But also, um, to see, to see what sort of um brand of cricket they're going to play against India. That's also going to be very interesting. A different test. But let's see. Um, I feel like we're going to roll them in three days at the minute. <laughs> oh, wow. Obviously, you would say that, um, but yes, absolutely. I know I completely agree with everything you've said. To be fair, mate, they uh, they just look so good and brilliant. To see Bairstow in full flow. Stokes had a bit of freedom, even as skipper. Didn't really look like he was carrying the weight of the captaincy on him, which is, you know, fantastic. Speaks so well as well, doesn't he? Matured into like a proper statesman-like figure in that dressing room. And uh, good to see some of the young talent as well coming through. Pope chipping in with hundreds as well. And yeah, nice uh, to see. Pots, brilliant. Yeah, we could bang on about it all day. Anyway, white ball stuff. New captain, Joss Butler, is our guest on the Shackles or podcast. Some more bumper guests in the weeks ahead uh, to come. And if you've not told any pals about this podcast before and you think they might enjoy it, do send them a message just saying, look, get listen to the Shackles or off. It's not bad, you know. And, I, and on that, on, on that, just a quick shout out to my Scottish mate from the um, the Skyrack, day five of the test. <laughs> he come down from Edinburgh with his dad. He came over and said hello, said he's a massive fan of the show and suggested some guests that he wants to have on the podcast in the coming weeks. Please feel free to do that. If you see Greggy at Wimbledon, at PGA, <laughs> at Live Golf or wherever you might find Greggy, a cricket stadium occasionally, um, or me at any cricket stadium, just come and say hello and just have a chat to us about the pod. Tell us who you want on and we'll try and make it happen. Nice. Love that. Getting uh, recognised by your voice as well, not even by your face. Your long blonde hair's gone, mate. So, uh, yeah, we've got to, got to recognise you somehow. I hate the not... voice as well. No <laughs> one likes their own voice today. No. Except for you. You love I it. I don't like my own you voice. I don't. I, I genuinely don't. I won't be listening back to this, let me tell yeah. you. If I will, because it's just you on it. It's not got <laughs> me spoiling it. So I can listen to it. Wheels off. Not a problem. Joss Butler, coming up, our next guest on the Shackles or podcast. will be with you again in a week or so's time. Enjoy. Joss, welcome to The Shackles Are Off. We've been running this podcast now for three or four years and you've all be, always been top of the list and for some reason it's never happened, but we've happened to um, to stumble on you when you're, you're in the form of your life. You've just come back from the IPL, the most valuable player. You're back in the UK. How are, how are you feeling? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Um, thanks for having me on. Um, it's it's uh, good to get on the pod with you guys. Um, yeah, it's been a, a really good couple 
couple of months in India, of course, we, we fell at the final hurdle and, and didn't manage to uh, bring the trophy home. But uh, yeah, personally, it, it couldn't have gone, gone any better. I couldn't have, um, have dreamt of having a better season, to be honest. It just seemed like every time I went on Twitter, watched the telly, you just churned out another hundred off like less and less balls as the tournament went on. It was was it getting a bit surreal for you thinking, bloody hell, I'm coming off every time here? <laughs> yeah, definitely. And uh, in T20 cricket, you, you don't really expect that to be that consistent. I guess, you know, the top of the order is probably the one place you, you sort of can be consistent in T20 because you, you get the best chance. But uh no, I certainly surprised myself and you get back to the hotel and you're sort of pinching yourself and like and turning up to the next game and um and like getting in again and think oh my god I'm like close to another score here so um yeah it was certainly pretty surreal and um no actually I had a little bit of a blip in the middle and I think that was probably the sort of you know the mind thinking Jesus what's actually happening here <laughs> and um you know it took me a little while to sort of get over that and have some chats and then yeah finish strongly as well so uh, yeah, really pleased. Fabulous. And I guess it's quite nice to be back out of the bubble. Hopefully that'll be the last COVID bubble that you have to do in your career. Um, was it a challenging one being the last one or, or was it was it all right? Were you used to it? Yeah, fingers crossed it'll be the last one. I think um, that was a long tournament with the two extra teams this year. So um, it was a bit longer than usual. Um, and I think, yeah, it comes a time where you, you just get a bit fed up with it and you want change but it was amazing to have crowds back this year at the IPL I think that that made a massive difference um yeah I think the crowds uh you know as you've been out to Indy it's like nowhere else so um you know they they absolutely love it that made it sort of worthwhile and and uh sort of made up for being locked away in the hotels um and the final was played in front of 105,000 people or something so um, no privilege really to to get the chance to play in front of those those guys and um, it's so loud it was a great experience. I, I say that to everyone anyone that hasn't been to India and experienced it the, the TV does some justice but when you're there it's just mental isn't it how infatuated everyone is with cricket and how cricket is just everything to everyone there did you do you feel that is a is a privilege to be part of part of the, the stars if you like or, or does it become a bit of a burden for you? A bit of a privilege. It's a bit like um, I try and tell people it's like being at a One Direction concert. Imagine in front of a <laughs> load of people screaming at when Harry Styles comes on stage and stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, it's a massive privilege. It's um, you know quite amazing the the level of love they have for for the game and um, a bit like football, I guess here in, in England. And um, I think it's just exciting uh, yeah, for the top Indian players. I mean, they they are real superstars. Who, um, you now look at those guys and think, wow, how do you deal with that pressure and expectation every day? It must be incredibly tough. But um, I think that's all part of the learning as well. Is is uh, as you're out there, you, you know, all the things that it gives you is uh, that sort of performing under pressure and all those sort of outside pressures that you you learn a lot about yourself and how you're going to perform. Yeah, very good. And now I've heard a little rumor on the mill about a Hollywood A-lister actually venture into your home in London whilst you were the other side of the world in India. Now, feel free to not share this if you don't want to, but um, could you elaborate on on who was in your house while you were at the IPL? <laughs> yeah, I think my wife's got some explaining to do. I better get her on to, to tell you. But uh, yeah, Magic Mike turned up. And uh, so obviously that put me uh, on a bit of pressure. Um, but no, so I don't know how it came about really, but yeah. You know, Channing Tatum was was here in in our garden. Um, you know, 
doing some pictures and some filming for a, for a children's book he's got out. So um, of, of all the random things that <laughs> happened in our lives, I think that is right up there. Yeah. Is that where the runs came from? Got a, in, impressed from afar, you know, challenging the house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I don't think she was that bothered, though. I think the IPL got turned off the TV when, when Channing turned <laughs> up. But, uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, absolutely bizarre. I don't know what's happened there. But that's probably when I had the most messages, actually. It scored some runs <laughs> and stuff. But then, um, yeah, people, a load of people messaging me saying, what's Channing Tatum doing at your house? Yeah, that is about as random as it gets, I reckon. Um, so, so Joss, we always usually start the podcast with talking about where it all came from for you, and um, obviously Somerset back back in the um, in the late nineties when you were watching um, the the greats of the game at the World Cup, Ganguly Dravid. I think you spoke about before, and then you joined Somerset Academy at age twelve. Is is that right? Uh, yeah, thirteen. I think I probably was. So um, yeah, when I went to. I- uh, Kings Taunton um, sort of coincided with when I got in the academy. So, um, yeah, Somerset has <clears throat> played such a huge part in, in my life and my development and, um, you know, getting into it like, like most of us with family and playing on the patio with my older brother and stuff like that. Um, and, yeah, I think you mentioned that 99 World Cup. That was amazing. We, we managed to get tickets for quite a lot of games and travelled around the country watching different matches and um you know that one at Taunton you mentioned India and Sri Lanka um we went I, I went to the semi-final of um when uh, Donald didn't run and that sort of that Australia South Africa one and um so yeah I think that was sort of really born quite a love of the game then and I thought that was really special and uh, when I got onto the academy I think that's when I sort of saw a pathway into sort of I could make this a job I think um Sort of, you know, I can see now when you get to the end of this, it, it, you can have a chance to go onto the professional staff. Amazing. And I guess when you were on that pathway with England, you you stayed with quite a few familiar faces, didn't you? Rutu's on the pathway, Stokesy, I think James Vince might have been there as well. Was it a little bit surreal to think that these guys, okay, we've grown up together and now oh, we're winning a World Cup together as well? Mental. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely amazing. I think that's that's really special. Let like you say that bond you share um, with those guys from you know going back through the age group stuff. And um, you know, Ruti had exactly the same technique he does have now. He just couldn't hit it off the square back then. He was so small. Um, but uh, it was yeah, brilliant. You know, you think you you build those friendships. That's what you know, really the game's all about, isn't it? I think yeah. um, you know we all play, and once we leave, I think you'll get left with those memories in the dressing room. You know, you guys make great friends around the world when you, you're traveling following the team and i think that's what we'll we'll all talk about really when you when you've finished it, it's those sort of memories you you make together which um are really special yeah i remember i think we might have even posted a picture of you all with your under under 19 headshots and then you were, thing, yeah <laughs> there's a few very similar haircuts which is which is the surprise for all of us i think you were you were quite similar to your original haircut maybe a little little bit more style in today's era yeah, I certainly didn't have much style back then. That is for sure. Um, I don't know. Oh no, God, I don't know if many people did really. Um, Stokes is has all fallen out and come back again, so he's done well. Um, that's, uh, <laughs> so uh, that is, uh, yeah, it's 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 really cool actually. And when you see those kind of pictures, and then you, you know, you say ten years apart, you think, oh, it's a, it's been a great journey. Great. It's great for the fans to see as well. We love we love a story, don't we, the Barmy Army? That's perfect for us. Um, can can we now talk about your move from 
Somerset up to Lanx and, and what that was like for you, probably a completely different culture, I would imagine, for what you were, what you had at Somerset as a kid to growing up, growing through to Lanx, where it was a, a different style of cricket, a different place to play cricket. Was that transition difficult or did you enjoy it? Did you thrive in it? How was that? Um, I'd say it's one of the best things I've ever done. It was certainly really difficult at the time. Um, you know, leaving, I never ever thought I'd ever leave Somerset, you know, being a Somerset boy, it's where I grew up and I thought I'd play for them forever. Um, but just the way sort of, you know, my career panned out, I, I wanted to, you know, really follow um, the wicket-keeping dream. And, and to do that, I needed to be playing somewhere I could keep wicket um, in every game. And obviously Somerset had a brilliant wicket-keeper in Craig Keyswetter, so... Um, you know, I, I knew I had to leave really. Um, it took me a long time to get to that point. You know, it's only late in the summer where I, I sort of finally accepted, you know, I've got to, I've got to go and make the move. And um, I remember sitting down with Peter Moores and Mike Watkinson at the time, and, and they were so impressive. I, I really um, was sort of blown away by Peter Moores. I thought, wow, this is someone I really want to work with. And being shown around um, Old Trafford, it's you know, with the redevelopment, it was like you say, it's chalk and cheese really from Somerset yeah. being a, a, in a county town, um, quite a, a really intricate, small, um, you know, family club, um, brilliant in its own right. And then going to Old Trafford is a, a huge sort of international venue in a, in a big city. Um, yeah, it was quite out of my comfort zone. And I think that's, you know, one of the good things really. It sort of took me away from um, family and everything everything I sort of knew and I was playing for England a bit at the time as well so it made the transition quite difficult to Lanx so I was sort of away all the winter and then in and out a bit in the summer as well so um, certainly that made it challenging as well but it you know, made me grow up and, and sort of fend for myself a bit more and uh, understand what I needed to perform or um, those kind of things so yeah looking back now I'd say I had a great influence on, on my career by you know both on field with the opportunity and uh, all the off field stuff of, you know, just not being that boy from Somerset anymore, just, you know, growing up into a, a bit of a man um, and, uh, and uh, getting used to that. I guess, would you say that transition made it easier for you to go and play franchise stuff all over the world and go into them new environments um, quite often now? Um, yeah, I think that's always part of that journey, I guess. It was probably the, doing that was sort of a big eye opener and that like you say that's sort of um a big change I hadn't, don't think I'd played for any franchises um up until that point I think I played for the Melbourne Renegades sort of yeah probably the season after I'd moved so um yeah and, and as that sort of become a yeah like you say you've got to go in there where the coaches ask you you know they don't tell you what to do they ask what you need how do you need to perform so that sort of um responsibility certainly relies on you in those franchise environments so that was a, a good part of like you say that growing up um and just yeah probably being more comfortable with the change you know I think I was someone who you know, wasn't great with change I sort of knew what everything about Somerset I'd been there forever I'd supported the club all my life and my family were down the road and everything was quite easy and quite cushy and um yeah probably like you say now going around the world and stuff having got out of my comfort zone um, by going to Lanx has, has probably helped with that, yeah. Joss, I read somewhere that your mum frequently, as a club cricketer myself, I struggle from the same issue that she comments about a stupid shot you played. Does she still do that now, even watching the IPL and stuff? Uh, is that still a problem? 
Yeah, absolutely. She's still my, my biggest critic. Um, so she used to actually um, coach the team I played. I played for Cheddar um, in club cricket and sort of I think under 11s, maybe she sort of uh, helped out initially and then sort of took over the team. So I'm, you know, she's driving me to and from all the games and yeah, on the way back, it'd be like, why did you play that shot? Why did you get out? What did you, you know, why didn't you hit it along the floor? Um, and I, I always used to come back with the, well, you'd say it's a good shot if it comes off and that kind of thing. <laughs> um, but uh, the, wor- the worst one she's ever got in my head is that um, I think it was playing for like a Somerset age groups and I'd, like stop halfway through the innings for drinks. And then I'd always seem to get out the next over. Um, and then that she just planted in my head that, you know, anytime there's a drinks break, oh, you always get out after a drinks break. You always get out after a drinks break. So even now playing, if there's a break in the game, like come out for drinks or something, my mum is on my shoulder saying, you always <laughs> get out after a drinks. And actually, I think it's a Champions Trophy semi-final in like 2017. First ball after drinks. I think Janaid Khan's running up to bowl. And all I can think is, mum says, mum says you're going to get out here. And I nicked it behind. <laughs> and I just I could not but I just a message and said look what you've done to me this is <laughs> excellent amazing what a story now um you've, you've made a lot of England debuts Josh you, your T20 your, your one day international debut but the test debut is the special one take, take me back to that moment in 2014 when I, I believe you made your debut after an injury to a certain Matty Pryor is that is that correct? How was that? Was that emotional for you, for your family? Was it an incredible moment? Yeah, amazing moment. And like I said, moved to Lanx um, with the sort of dream of, of trying to play test cricket. So, um, and that was the sort of that summer. So, yeah, I know um, Matt Pryor had been struggling with his Achilles. Or so. I'd actually been called up as cover to, to Trent Bridge and sort of, you know, just to be around in case he wasn't fit. Um, and then, yeah, I made my debut at the the Rose Bowl and um, yeah, the, the two other debuts are pretty uneventful. I didn't bat in the T21 and I got a second ball duck in my ODI debut. So I was hoping for a few more runs and actually there was a close call on naught, like a, did it carry or not to slip? And then, uh, so that would have been an unwanted record to not score a run in three debuts. But um, yeah, I think playing test cricket, for me, test cricket is the pinnacle of the game. I think we all, especially here in England absolutely love it and then you know that that chance to to pull on a test and get presented your test cap I remember Bruce French giving me my cap and um, said some really great words and um, I just loved it it was just such a great experience I managed to slog a few and we we won the game and um, it was just amazing yes family came down and watched and um, I always had a you know love for the Rose Bowl actually I, I really like that so it's really round um yeah really like that ground so there's some some good memories there and, and played well there so um it was great to make my debut there fabulous now obviously you went into a very strong team at the time and some massive characters in the side um what, what was that like to go into a dressing room where obviously you played a lot against these players but that, that test team at the time was was fantastic some incredible characters was it quite imposing as a young bloke going into that environment or was it something you thought yeah i'll thrive off this learn from the best and see how we get on. Yeah, I think I was I was lucky in a sense. I'd, I'd made my debuts in T20 and ODI cricket. So I'd, I'd got to meet a few of the guys and 
um, played a few games with them obviously before I'd made my test debut um, and I think also what helped is I kind of knew a bit how international cricket worked like with the media yeah. and interviews and, and what it was like around the ground so it wasn't a, a massive massive shock there's, there's obviously more pressure and there's more eyes for, for longer but that certainly helped and um, yeah, but like you say, when you, you sort of watch these guys on TV and then suddenly you're, you're sharing a, a dressing room with them and playing with them, the likes of Alistair Cook, Jimmy, Brody, um, amazing. But I, I think you know, Brody was always someone I, I felt really comfortable with. He was T20 captain and um, okay. he gave me my my debut. So um, he was someone who always made me, me feel really welcome. And um, and then like you say, you know, having someone like Ruti around, someone you've, you've grown up with and, and know really well. So um, yeah, it's made it more easy, I think. Josh, this is the Barmy Army podcast. You have experienced a lot of the Barmy Army over the years. We've bumped into each other a lot on tour and in the UK and what what is it like to have that moment where you are stood in front of the fans obviously coming from Somerset it's got a really big cult following um you've, you've had that experience for Somerset and then getting into the England team and seeing the Barmy Army all over the world when you're struggling sometimes as well still there singing the song what's that experience like as a player absolutely amazing I don't think you can really put it into words it's a really tough question to answer it's um you know, can't underestimate the influence the Barmy Army has. I think of some incredible moments, and a lot of them are when you, you know, when we're losing, when we're getting hammered. You know, the loyalty is is absolutely unbelievable. That you know, the guys you sing till the end, and um, you know, I think some really special ones. I remember that that Newlands Test. I think that was that will live long in the memory. I think. Yeah, it felt like a home game. There were so many fans there and, you know, it turned out to be an incredible finish with Stokesy sort of forcing a result. But there was a period where you guys sang nonstop for about 40 minutes or something leading yeah. into tea. And yeah, I can imagine. Um, you're pretty well oiled, <laughs> I imagine as well. Um, but, you know, that, <laughs> the lift that gives a group and, and you know, the, there's certain guys who obviously just thrive off it incredibly. Yeah, Brody's got an amazing sort of way with getting you guys going and uh, Stokesy and these guys, you know, when they can perform. And um, I think it's the loyalty of the fans and, and the travelling around and, like I say, watching TV as a kid, watching Test cricket and seeing all the England flags at these grounds of the Caribbean is always one I always think of, of with all the flags. And um, so, yeah, it's incredibly special. We're incredibly lucky. I remember that moment in, in Newlands. It was just unbelievable. There was a little bit of debate around before the test about a four-day test match and there was a little bit of chat going on in the media and, and everyone was thinking about it. And for that test to finish on day five at half five with an England win just completely shut that conversation down. So it did a treat for, for the game as well. Now, you've actually spent some time in the Barmy Army. Was it on your first Australia tour? In Brisbane, was did you come over and sample a bit of the atmosphere once? Yeah, we did. I think it was me and uh, me and James Vince. Um, so we were on the um, the Lions tour as such, a performance program that was sort of mirroring a little bit of the Ashes tour in yeah. 2013-14. Um, and I don't think I'd been to a test match before. I think it might have been one of the first test matches I've actually actually been to live. So 
Um, and yeah, we, you know, we were saying how good Sabami Army and you're all in that sort of one stand. And um, yeah, Vincey and I were like, let's just get around there and just sort of sneak in and sit and obviously you can't really sneak in everyone knows so much about cricket so um we're we're sat in there singing so i remember there being a horrific hailstorm as well and um everyone's singing about how much they were loving the rain because obviously it was a bit of a tough tour that one um <laughs> but uh yeah it was great to just get involved see some face i think that's one of the nice things as well for like the players like now over the years there's you know you see similar faces around the tours and um you know you know, make some friends and stuff and catch up with people and um you know i think of like woody and deco they've got a proper love relationship going on haven't they so um yeah that's it's amazing but great to be in in the in the mix and see what it's really like for you guys yeah good man you've 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 been an example that you are a true barmy army man now, i was just gonna ask chris we've had uh We've had Sir Alistair Cook on and he he recalled, I think, I can't remember which test it was, Chris, but um, he got home one night and his little child had managed to pick up the Johnny Bairstow song. Um, I was just wondering, now you've got two small children yourself, have they managed to sample any of the Balmy Army and uh, picked up any lyrics themselves? <laughs> Not yeah, I think sort of five little monkeys jumping on the bed still the favourite at the minute. Um, but uh, no, I'm sure if they, you'd like to say they're at that perfect age where hopefully they won't be singing, um, you know, the eldest, sorry, is the perfect age. Hopefully she won't be singing Johnny Bairstow's song. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I think I always think of Jimmy's like, um, Jimmy's an easy one for the kids to get on board yeah. with, isn't it? So, um, and I'm sure that will be, be one that he's, you know, he shows no signs of slowing down. So um, I think uh, they'll be old enough to, to try and uh, learn that one. <laughs> Josh, you've had some incredible highs in your career. Now, I think, well, I'm hoping we're going to talk about the highest moment of your career. Catching that ball, that shot that appeared everywhere, taking the, the bails off. What, what was going through your mind in that moment and, and what was the celebrations like after that followed? Yeah, not a lot going through the mind. I think at the moment, just just get that ball and break the stumps as, as quick as you can. <laughs> Don't drop it. Um, but uh, yeah, that moment from from breaking the stumps and uh, the running off and that pure elation is, is the you know like obviously, but that one moment I would just love to live again. I think that is was just the best feeling ever. That minute of just you got no control over what you're doing and I'm like throwing my gloves in the air and we're all running around together. And I think I've seen Morgs describe it as like when you're a kid and you're just running down a hill and you're just having the best time, you just can't stop yourself. And it was you know, so surreal. And um, that final was just amazing. Like you said, it had absolutely everything and, and more in the same game. Um, and uh, for us to to win that game at Lords in a home World Cup and, in that fashion, I, I think it was really amazing. Like the obviously the uh, the fashion we won, and the fact that we're all on the ground at the same time, just sort of being able to share that together was was so cool. And then your your friends and family in the dressing room after, obviously the guys that have made it happen for you to that point, is is that just as special to be at Laws to celebrate with them? Absolutely, um, and I think that sort of realization it, it's sort of um, at that moment you're like it's, it's all worth it. Um, you know all the all the sacrifices that you know parents have made, all the opportunities yeah. that they've they've given you, and you know, ferrying you around as a kid and spending so much money on you trying to get coaching or cricket equipment 
excitement um, and uh, giving you so much sort of belief and and it, yeah just sort of like justified it all for that you know it's just as special for them as it is for for the players you know all the family and mums dads brothers sisters and um, you know wives and girlfriends who who live it all with you um, and uh, you know it's sort of really sort of made it all worth it what what was it like that that exact moment when you you watched the ball come off Stokes's bat? I think we were all in shock, not really knowing what's happening. Were you like, this is just the the the, the light shining on us for this one moment in time? Were you like, wow, that's incredible. Not seen that before. Uh, absolutely, I can liken it to what it must be like to win the lottery. It was just yeah. outrageous, yeah. Um, and like shamelessly, like myself, Jason Roy, and there was someone else they're like jumping up and down on the physio bed, like smacking the ceilings, like <laughs> love and like, you know, the biggest slice of luck ever. And we celebrated it. Like you've never seen, it was embarrassing. Um, and like the guys on the balcony all sort of staying quite calm, but then people are sort of, is that five? Is that six? Like, what do we, what's the equation now? How many do we need? Like, and just, I can't, you know, the biggest swing ever on, on this, the biggest piece of, fortune um i've never seen like a direct angle as well but you know it looks like that ball might even hit the stumps and run him out as well yeah, so awesome. um yes yeah, it's, it's outrageous absolutely outrageous and like you say the stars all aligned for us on at that time and uh that incredible piece of luck but did it feel different did cricket feel different after that day for the short while it certainly did for us as fans it was like everyone wanted to talk to you about it the front and the back pages were filled with it and then the ashes was two weeks after so was was cricket at that moment for you just unbelievable in the UK yeah definitely um and at the start of the world cup I was a bit like unsure I was like thinking I just remember walking down the road with my wife being like I thought it would be bigger I thought there'd be more interest in the world cup and then actually as I said that some guys in a white van rolled down the window and were like good luck tomorrow for the first game of the world cup like we're all behind you and then she was like well that's sort of answered your question like everyone's, <laughs> uh, everyone's up for it and then like you say after the final sort of um you know just walking down the street you more people recognizing you more people wanting to talk about it um and for cricket in this country like you say to then have an ashes off the back of that um and for stokesy you know four or five weeks later to go and play what's got to be probably the best best innings ever um just I don't think cricket can really have been at a higher sort of peak in this country at that point in time it's incredibly special incredibly special now um something we've done on this podcast um for the last few episodes is all about the dream cricket tea Chuck we've had Saki Mamu come on and tell us that you wanted mince pies and and all sorts of stuff happening on the on the tea what, oh, what else have we had Chuck uh, KP went for Biltong, classic. Yeah, KP. Um, yeah. And then the drinks mainly been tea. So, um, yeah. So, Josh, we want to hear your sandwich, savory snack, sweet treat, and drink. But there's no dietitians involved. You're down cheddar on a Saturday. It's it's not yeah. no holds bar. What's your sandwich? I think I'm going for a coronation chicken sandwich. Oh, yeah, yeah. Very topical. Um, yeah. I, yeah absolutely great timing on that um uh what else do we say um, savory snack savory snack probably just mccoy's salt and vinegar um solid crisps um quite enjoy a few cocktail sausages and a cricket tea as well i think that's a nice option 
Mm. Um, Battenberg cake, I always think of that <laughs> with cricket teas. That always seemed to be at my cricket teas. Uh, that and like a jam tart or something like uh uh, so I'm just adding more and more to it. Here, but, two. You um, go for two, yeah? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going back. A uh, little, so yeah, like cocktail sausages, sausage rolls. Um, what else we got? Pro like tea, but like, you know, when someone really good at the club, like makes a massive pot of tea, which is just about belter. Off the earth. Off the earth. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you need that. <laughs> um, and what else? Probably be good for that. Uh, yeah, I think I'd be, I wouldn't be running far after that. Solid. <laughs> Solid so um josh not to <clears throat> to kill you off to to just yet you've got plenty of years left in the tank but a, a bit of um something we like to get from current players like what what will it be for you will it be coaching will it be media or maybe even working for charles tirrett what what's your preference <laughs> of, of roles after when you when you're playing days are done Definitely don't yeah. podcast. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, really good question. And I wish I, I knew the answer, but um, yeah, hopefully got a few more years to sort of find that out. Um, certainly in, in some capacity, be love to still be involved in the game, um, whether that's sort of um, doing a little bit of punditry and some coaching. And I think, you know, coaching kids really sort of like being at the grassroots level a bit and sort of or in school, I think, yeah, I think that's where you can have a really great influence on and sort of that stuff. I think sort of trying to give people a real love for the game at that early age. I think I, I quite like the thought of that. Um, and but nothing. It's going to have to be something involved in sport. You know, whether it's it may even a different sport, but or sort of a sports brand or something like that. I I don't really know much else other than sports. So um, that's sort of it. But. Uh, yeah, maybe doing Barmy Army tours. I take a few people right. around the around the world and sit in the stands and, <laughs> and watch with you guys. You're always welcome, Joss. You are always welcome. And before you do that, we really do hope to see you back in a test shirt again. Um, but but Joss, thank you so much from everyone at the Barmy Army for coming on the podcast, giving up your time. If you wouldn't mind just sending a little message to all the fans out there that are looking forward to a great summer of cricket, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, I think to all the fans, I think um, I really enjoy this summer. It's great that it's going to be back to sort of what we know as as normal times. Um, I think you're going to see some fantastic cricket. You know, speaking as a fan, um, this McCullum-Stokes sort of partnership, I think, is one that really excites me, as I'm sure it does all you guys as well. So, uh, you know, enjoy, enjoy the ride and uh, look forward to seeing you in the stands soon. Top man. Thanks, mate. Podcast Network.